we into it? We're into it. Okay. Well, happy Pride, Peter. Happy. So I was at Kroger uh, like 20 minutes ago, and the electric vehicle charging stations were telling me that anybody can charge their car in bright rainbow letters. <laughs> well, you should not let lesbians come charge up here, but I seem to like spending. I love this. I love the swap. I always think about during Pride, everybody goes immediately to the, like, oh, this corporation is just going to fake pride month which like yeah of course it's it's a corporation they'll do anything for profit but i think there needs to be a bigger discussion of like there's a lot more of these churches that are real lgbtq now and they're everyone's welcome here and everyone's good everybody's like you know you should be happy it's a little bit of a change and i go no no one's going to church anymore no one's tithing 10 percent. they're literally at the point where they're like uh yeah you, you guys you guys got money you could come we accept you we accept you for who you are look at this rainbow on the church we got a church rainbow because they're just literally out of anyone else to ask everyone else they've asked is either in the system or dead about to be dead or uh, out of the system many people out of the system pull a chair up lucy pull a chair up lucy lucy's joining us now uh cranberry was excited to have me home this was a big weekend, Peter, and it was. It's one of those where I just got to tell you up front. I wrestled four matches in twenty hours. I did the math. <laughs> it's disgusting. You're laughing. It's disgusting. I told the photographer that I work. He's he uh, was very into wrestling at one point okay. in his life, and he thinks you're just like a myth that I'm making up all the time. <laughs> I like that though. I prefer, and that's the first line of my Twitter profile: is I'm a gay myth. And I think that like I'm starting to really exist in that spectrum, and I've got to make sure that I don't uh, mythologically disappear without leaving my mark on everything. <laughs> Look at this little bandit, Lucy. Lucy, you're over there with fun toys. Your dad hooks you up with the most fun toys. You got to stay in the chair, though, Lucy, if you want to hang out while we're talking. I don't want to. I don't want to be fully mythological. I think I want to make sure I leave a little bit of a mark on things. Oh, but suck. Like being most a of myth it's about is, getting your head chopped off or like flying cl close to the sun or like, or like trying to kiss your mom on a boat journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, good. You got to be in hell for like a gazillion. But decades. the benefit of the mythology of it is that nobody's surprised by anything I do. So I can go do really weird stuff, and they're like, "He's just sort of a myth. He sort of floats." Like. You know, I've always joked that I'm I'm the kid that your parents told you not to hang out with when you were in school. They're like, don't go hang out with that guy. He's up to no good. You're trying to go to college. You're trying to be a TV star. You're trying to get paid more for wrestling. And I'm over here going, come on, come over here with me. We're going to have outlaw fun. You know you're going to have more fun hanging out with me. You know if your parents find out, they're going to freak out. But you're going to probably come hang out with me anyway. Everybody has a, has a run. And also with the gay myth thing, I can beat you in a match and I can give you the convincing moment of like, this doesn't really count against you, pal. I'm not even real. It doesn't matter if you lose to Effie. Nobody, nobody counts that as a real loss. It's just you looked in the mirror, you saw what he presented, and you couldn't get past it. What are you going to do? I'm just uh, a demonic mirror figure. I'm going to make you face the worst parts of yourself. We'll get into that with all these matches. God. But I got to tell you, I started the trip and uh, went down to the airport. And I left Thursday night, Peter, because I didn't want to, one, get in late to Las Vegas. Flights were crazy. And two, it was the cheapest option to go in Thursday night. So I arrived Thursday night. But before I could even leave Atlanta, and this is real, I'm waiting in line. And I've got my headphones in. And you know how, 
you know, they call it in, in groups, like groups at a time. And so my group was called first because I'm in the first group because I have a carry on bag on this beautiful spirit flight. And I think that I'm being loud enough, but I'm informed that I'm not. And I tried to say, excuse me and get through this crowd because I was supposed to be getting on the plane. And I guess I bumped some guy and he started screaming and getting in my face. And oh, I was like, no. okay. And he's like, you just got to run over me. And I was like, I'm, I'm trying to get in here. You know, I'm zone one. Are you zone one? He said, no, nah, but you don't got to push me. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's that serious. And you're kind of blocking the path here. And he keeps getting more escalated. In my mind, I'm going, bro, please hit me right now. Now, it'll delay the trip, obviously. But if he just hits me, I can take a punch. And then this dude will not have to be on the plane. <laughs> and in the mayhem, they bring a police officer over. And they keep him there while we're all getting on the plane. Granted, we end up on the same emergency row. So this guy has to like sit within 12 feet of me the whole time. And I have my headphones on the whole time. So he's just got to sit there and be angry while I'm off in dreamland to tell you this did not like emotionally affect me even a bit. Like I was laughing while this guy was in my face, but also like be careful out there, America, because I'm just trying to walk to the gate and I'm, I'm already getting into confrontations. I don't know what, you know, you're looking at me like you don't know, but maybe you do know. Maybe there's a reason I'm being confronted all the time, but I'm, I'm trying to just like slide through life pretty easily in the moments where I'm not a star. This was not that. So I got on the plane. I'm a little worked up, but I'm kind of laughing at the whole thing because there's like an officer on there and they're like, you better be good. And he's like, I will. And we go to Las Vegas, which I mean, it's already a weird flight to go to Las Vegas. Nobody's going to sleep. It's a lot of people. It's the only flight they do in their like life. You know, right. that's one thing I kind of discussed with the guys while we were all walking around was like, yeah, for us, like this is cool. We're in a cool place. We're in Las Vegas. But, like, you're looking around you, and most of these people, like, this is about the coolest thing they will ever do. Which, there's no, I'm not saying, like, yeah, like, this is as good as it gets for them. But, I mean, it is. But because of that, it's sort of like, I kind of want to play in the background. Like, let you guys have your fun. I've seen Las Vegas. I've been going to Las Vegas for 15 years, man. I've seen all of Las Vegas. I'll tell you this. We said it the last time. Lake Mead is drying. Enjoy Vegas while you can. I think you got 15 years. Somebody told me they think we have 30 years. I don't think that's true. Being in Las Vegas... Feeling the heat of it's May and it's as hot as this already, and how wild things get there, they're gonna run out of clean water eventually. And uh, I've enjoyed Vegas while it's been there, but I don't think we have much longer. And so I'll keep the memories with me. I don't know how much more I'm gonna be wrestling in Vegas. If you're living in Las Vegas and you disagree with me on this, uh, you might be wrong. If you're living with Las Vegas and you agree with me on this, uh, good luck riding the storm because this is, I don't think it's going to be well. Now, granted, after saying this, I love Las Vegas, Peter. It's one of my favorite places because it, I, I look around at Las Vegas and I see, and now that it's legal, everybody's smoking weed, everybody's on drugs, everybody's gambling, people still bring their kids. And I'm going, if God is allowing this place to exist, Sodom and Gomorrah might have been lit. It must have been the most lit. Because if God was going to take that out, but he's like, nah, this one can slide. And this is, I'm guessing that the Christian God is the one in charge, Peter. I mean, all signs point to it. If he's letting this one stand, my goodness, we got to get wilder. And it's a wild time. I stayed on Fremont. I always like to stay on Fremont. I think the strip is overrated. I think there's too much traffic on the strip. It takes too long to walk anywhere. But Fremont is sort of the Las Vegas point that is... 
It's all the things you hear about Las Vegas that aren't the best parts. Like it's dirty. There's street performers. There's drugs. It's not safe at all, which we'll get into how not safe it is. Uh, but luckily, I am familiar with all of this. So I landed pretty quick. Thank God Scott got me from the airport. But there was already wrestling happening. Was there any more interactions with the angry gentleman? No more he interactions. Off? He didn't feel like saying anything else. It's so funny when adults have to have like the They're, principal come down. And-, yeah, you're, and also you're like, I don't know what else you're going through. But if this is what sets you off, I don't know if Las Vegas is the place for your emotions. Because everybody's set off about everything. Scott picked me up from the airport. Las Vegas, the baggage claim takes just fucking forever. And it feels even longer because you're like, you just landed in Las Vegas. The city's open. You want to gamble? You want to feel it? You can't do it yet. You got to wait. I think I waited 48 minutes for my bags from Spirit after I landed. So we get to the hotel. I check in. And then we walk down Fremont to the Nerd Bar where outdoor they were doing uh, Violence and Suffering's wrestling show. Now, Peter, I've wrestled outdoors before, and this is not a slight to anyone involved in an outdoor wrestling show, but when I am wrestling outdoors, when I can see the moonlight and the stars, I have limits to my to my skills, okay? I have limits to the amount of risks I'm going to take. I have limits to what I'm going to do. These folks on the Violence and Suffering show did not have any limits. And luckily, this is like a two-story like inside mall area that's by Fremont, so we could watch from upstairs... And kind of take everything in from a distance. Wait, it's an outdoor mall? It's like an outdoor shopping area mall with a Denny's. Vegas is weird. And a toy store. No, yeah, none of Vegas makes sense. Don't try to make any sense of this, Peter. This is... Vegas makes no sense. In the middle of Fremont Street, there's just like a weird indoor side area. The only thing I know about Fremont Street is uh, Danny Brown rapping about it. Well, and he's a dirty human being. And he does he love it? Yeah, I think he does. I think Danny Brown would like Fremont Street, if I had to guess. But it is, I mean, absolutely the filthiest. One of my favorite, uh, uh, to give you an example here, one of my favorite features of Fremont Street is that you go into the D Casino, which is one of the casinos on this big lit street. Like, have you seen Chris Angel doing mind freak stuff <laughs> yeah. in the Vegas street with the lights on yeah. the roof? That's Fremont. Okay. So, like, all these people are walking around. The D makes, and I guess they have jobs, so you can't say they're forced to do it, but they get these girls to dance on top of the craps tables while you're playing, and they just look not pumped to be there. Like, I'm already over here throwing dice to risk my life, and with craps, you're either winning a lot or losing a fucking lot, and so now you've got these girls just, like, sadly dancing in place here in front of you, and they're like, it's a feature, look, it's the D, we got hot girls dancing, and you're like... Everyone around me is sad right now. I don't know what to do. I'm going to go play digital crafts because at least there it's just a naked robot dancing. They're not, none of them are naked. Fremont, we're outdoors. This violence and suffering show is happening. Number one, uh, Joey Janela fought a Michael Jackson impersonator named Santana Okay, I Jackson. saw that. And I- <laughs> it's intense. It's great. All the spots are great. Joey Janela is a genius. We'll get into why later. Not just because of this match. But at one point, I'm upstairs, and I see Santana Jackson, the Michael Jackson impersonator, running upstairs, and I'm going... Santana Jackson? His name is Santana Jackson. He's incredible. He stayed in gear the whole time. Like, the entire weekend, it's 100 degrees. This man is in full Michael Jackson with makeup. Incredible. I'm going, this man is not going to jump off this balcony that I'm up above. He did not, but he hung blanket over the balcony. He had a baby. And he dropped the baby, and Joey caught it and then went through a table. Wrestling is very interesting to me. These stories are... You can't do them in any other art form. 
Michael yeah, Jackson seriously. drops the baby off the top, but Joey Janela, the bad boy, catches the baby, saves the baby, and is destroyed by the impacting fall. It's a lot. Now, the next part I'm going to get to is uh, it was there was an injury, okay? And these deathmatch guys, I love them. I spent a lot of time this weekend with Drew Parker. I love him. But I also made him laugh because he got severely injured in his match to the point where it looked like it looked like a shark had bitten into his leg. Oh, the cut God. was so bad. And you could see the white meat of the long pig poking out kind of a deal. And in these moments, you shouldn't find much humor. But I was up top with Dark Sheik. I, there was already 20 people at ringside. And they're professionals. I go, I think they got it. You know, the, the paramedics are showing up. They got the wound wrapped. He's crazy. You know, he's a crazy guy. So I said, you know what? Me and Sheik noticed at the same time, there were some sexy nurses down there. So I shot this video, and I have not shared this video with the public, but I shot this video and I sent it to Drew Parker, and I said, oh my God, and it zoomed in on him in the ring. I said, Drew has suffered a terrible injury. I said, I just wonder if there's any medical professionals around here. And I zoomed over and I said, wait, there's some nurses right here, <laughs> but they're walking away from the situation. And these girls are kind of looking back, like trying to get away from the situation that was a man that was actually injured. And I was like, I, I don't know if their sexy training has prepared them for this. But they are not going to be helping us today. We are left without any medical professionals because the sexy nurses are running away. And I said, it might not be funny to you now, but it'll be funny in a little while. So just keep this video. And he said, mate, I'm British. It's funny to me now. I said, good. Okay. So we'll see if he survives. He's supposed to be in the Tournament of Survival this weekend, a deathmatch tournament, which I participated in the year before, which I will not be participating in this year because it is very violent. Uh, I was supposed to wrestle Puff in Crown Point for Black Label Pro. It's going to be a nice, fun day, minimal bumping. Now I got to wrestle Mike Bennett. He's uh he's the real deal. So I've got a bigger fight against me this weekend, and we'll get into all of those matches here in a second. But we got to talk about the matches I had in Las Vegas Friday. Well, first I have to say this: I was sharing a room with Joey Janela, and the last time I shared a room with Joey Janela, we watched Hitch twice, and by that I mean Joey fell asleep with the TV on, and I didn't turn it off. And Hitch played when I was going to sleep, and Hitch played when I woke up. It was a lot of Hitch. This time, Joey was out a little later. It's Vegas. And so what I found is the moment I fall asleep, the very moment, that's when Joey Janelle is coming back into the room. But luckily, like I'm not saying this as like, oh, I can't believe Joey stayed up so late. I don't care. I was so impressed because every time he came back, he immediately had the best story I'd ever heard. And this is two times in a row. I don't think the third time counted. The first morning, that Friday morning, when I'm falling asleep, and it's pretty late. We've been up with the boys, taking on the town, looking at the casinos. There's no clocks in Las Vegas. You don't know what time it is. They do that on purpose, right? 100%. They want you as confused as possible because like, gambling at 6 a.m. and gambling at 11 p.m. should feel exactly the same to you. You should not know where you are or where you want to be or have any time in your mind. But I have uh, an internal clock. fucking wizards that put that place together. Or evil mob men. (laughs) It could be both. I mean... uh, (laughs) They may have learned some techniques from the wizards and said, like, yeah, we can make this worse. (laughs) We can make it real bad for your brain. But I can't sleep past a certain time. And so I woke up and I said, damn it, I'm going to Las Vegas this ship. But this is after Joey brought in his story, which his story was great because this one was a less dangerous story. Joey came in. I said, what have you been doing? And he said, I went to the strip club till seven in the morning and she kept getting me to buy a dance. And I said, I don't want to buy a dance. Can we go get seafood? And she said, yeah. And so I took her out at 7 a.m. for an oyster dinner. 
Joey Janela came into the room at about 8 a.m. saying, I took this girl out for an oyster dinner after being in the strip club all night. And I just thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard that like, nah, I know this is your job, but if I'm going to spend money on buying us seafood and she's like, ah, that makes sense. Let's go get some seafood. And I said, well, did you like, was it like a date? And he goes, I don't think so. Because I'm back here now. And I was like, this is incredible. I can't believe I got woken up at this hour, but I'm glad it was for this. Now the second story, crazier. It sounds like a scene out of a Coen Brothers movie. Where you're just like at the strip club with the girl trying to explain to her. Well, because then you have like the sexual connotation of the seafood and the oysters, but yet. Oh, yeah. Like I took her out for a seafood dinner and then you go and they're just eating oysters. These are pretty good. Yeah. The next one was a little more Coen Brothers, too, but probably one of the murdery ones. Uh, I like the murder. I woke up though. And I was like, I'm not going to sleep any longer. Like, it's just not going to happen. Once the sun's up and it's coming in, like, I just can't do it. I was like, I'll just be tired for my whole life. But I wanted to experience Las Vegas the way, you know, the tourists do. So I said, you know what? I'm going to the breakfast buffet. And I went to that buffet all alone with all the families. And I ate the fuck out of a breakfast buffet. And I kept eating until I was very full. Now, at this point, Allie Catch had arrived in Las Vegas. She's with Dan the dad. They said, let's go to the pool. And I said, man, it sounds like a great idea. I didn't make it to the pool. I started smizzing them with the boys, which you can do legally in Las Vegas now. And I lost a little bit of a track of time, which I was allowed to do because on Friday I didn't wrestle. The show was not taking place till 11 p.m. Oh, damn. So I didn't have to be at this show forever. And really, I didn't have to be at that show until the next day because we were wrestling in the Silver Nugget Casino. There were a lot of shows going on. One of them that I was not on started a little earlier than that. But the first show of the night... I get there and they're like, you're match eight. And I was like, hold on. It's 11 o'clock now. I'm match eight. And I'm fighting a 17-year-old child. Is she allowed to be in the casino this late? And they said, don't don't make a scene. I said, okay, I'm not going to make a scene. But you probably should put us on early so she can get to bed. It's past her bedtime. And as I was sitting here with this, I was just getting more and more infuriated. And unfortunately, we're in a situation where this is Billy Starks, who I fought on her 17th birthday. And in that time, a lot of people are saying, I made her an evil bully. Okay? And maybe they have a point, Peter. Maybe I did make her an evil bully. Because I did try to kill her with my jacket. And she took it from me, and she started feeling the violence. She speared me with the jacket. She swanton bombed me with the jacket. And then I tried to light a cigarette. And granted, I was going to put it on her. I was going to put it on a child. I was going to burn a child with a cigarette. And I didn't do it. Uh, Because she took the cigarette and put it into my chest and then beat me. And since then, she's been a fucking bundle of hell to deal with. Because she's rude. She's bratty. She's a, a mean teen. All right? You don't have to be a mean teen. Is this the second time she's burned you with a cigarette? No, it's the first. She burned me with a cigarette the first time. This is leading up. This is kind of a lead up to like, I've got to go like put this girl in her place. I I feel like I missed some information there in the fact that you were intending to burn her with this cigarette. And yet the version of the story that I've heard is you got burned with a cigarette. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Someone whose birthday is literally uh, next week. Very excited. I don't celebrate birthdays really. Yeah, solar return, it's great. But I also like, if it's your birthday and you're making a big scene out of like, it's my birthday, like I'm already mad and then I'm already mad I'm fighting a kid. Like, why is there a kid in my ring? You know, I beat up kids. So yeah, I probably was a little over the top of it the first time in trying to light a young child with a cigarette. I, you know, I was in a mood 
And I paid for it because now this girl has gone on to be a brat to everyone. She is just a bratty bully and nobody can stop her. So I said, well, I'm going to feel it out. I'm going to feel out how this goes. My first match of the weekend. I have four within this 20-hour span. So I start the match. She's getting a little better of me. I go get a chair. And I said, I'm putting you in timeout. I said, get in timeout. And she eventually got in timeout. And I was pretty excited. I said, all right, we're making progress. As a parent, you feel like you're making progress, I imagine, if you get your kid to agree to timeout. But as soon as she agreed to it, she was spitting at me and throwing the chair back at me. And I said, I'm going to punish the shit out of this girl. So I did for a while. And I mean, she punished me back. And then I thought we'd come to a place where we had an understanding. And we had a conversation in the ring. And I've been, I've been criticized for my use of vocal uh, spots before, but that's only by people who make less money than me and who are not over with a crowd. So we don't listen to those criticisms. What do you mean by a vocal spot? Well, here's the vocal spot. She was going to uh, beat my ass with a chair and I started yelling at her to do it. I was on my knees. I said, go ahead and do it. I said, do it. You're going to end up like me. Okay. You're 17. You want to make money in the business. You want to get signed. They're not signing the sloppy girl who hits everybody with chairs and has to use weapons all the time. And they're not signing the sloppy girl who has an attitude about everything. And they're not going to do that. And I let her know in so many words that she didn't have to be like me. I like being me. I like being Effie. I also know the limitations of what Effie is. Now, maybe I'm making those limitations up. Maybe the limitations aren't there. Shout out Netflix. You know, I'll be there in a month. But... Not everyone has the same goals. And so I needed to remind her of that. I thought we made progress. She gave the chair away. And as soon as she gave the chair away and we embraced because I thought it was a new girl and we were going to have a clean finish to this match and find out who the better grappler was, she kicked me in the dick. A child. This is unacceptable. And uh, I went down in a pile driver of fury after that, right at the top of my head. Billy Starks beats me. Not a great way to start. Match one of four matches... But you know what? It was fine. These things happen. I was a little depressed. We left the venue. Joey Janela rolls back into the room as soon as I fall asleep. And now this one is a little more intense. Granted, I got to leave the venue in between. I probably could have just slept there, but I did have to go to another place to wrestle the next day. As I lay my head on the pillow, as I'm reflecting on my loss, Joey Janela barges in the room and he goes, There was a shooting. And I go, what? Apparently, my man is downstairs gambling in the beautiful Fremont Hotel in Fremont. And someone outside just starts firing off bullets into the air. Seven bullets. And so Joey runs. A bunch of people run. Like, you don't know who they're firing. I hear bullets firing. So he has to dive into a construction site, and he loses a bunch of stuff because it fell out of his pockets. He said when he was getting up, he's like, there's a kid, probably like, a little older than Nick Wayne. He also has a gun and he looks at me and he says, we got to protect ourselves. And Joey was like, I'm out of here. I don't care that I've lost my debit card, and my license, and I've dove into a construction site and I'm running away from it. I'm out of here. So we got him at that moment where he was coming back in the room. I was like, how did this happen? And no one's informed. No one knows. And granted, I look at the next day. I've said granted a million times. I love it. It was a real shooting. This really happened. There was a shooting. Uh, Las Vegas is crazy. Because there wasn't like, hey, guys, there was some stuff here last night. He was like, immediately after, people went back to gambling and went back to doing what they were doing. Nobody cares. Six in the morning, people are just like, well, I guess it's over. We better get back to losing money. It's a very strange place, Las Vegas. I didn't sleep much, if you're going to gather from this. You know, we finished our match at 2 a.m. 
And I got back to the hotel room at like 4 a.m. And then I fell asleep at like 6 a.m. And then Joey woke me up. And then I had to go wrestle again for a show that started at 1 p.m. That's Jesus. This was at a different venue than the rest of my matches because... I hold, I held the Party Hard Wrestling Charizona State Championship. And Party Hard Wrestling has not run shows in a while. So the championship's been in my house waiting to defend. And they said, look, can you do this date for our next show to defend the belt? I said, no. They said, well, would you be willing to defend the belt in Las Vegas? We want to put some heat on it. We're coming back. Party Hard Wrestling. I said, okay, I'll defend the belt. So at around 2 p.m., I found myself in the ring with one Charles Cassis. Now, Charles Cassis is about four inches taller than me probably about 100 pounds heavier than me, and I fought for my life. At one point, somebody asked, is Effie fine? And I yelled, Effie is invincible. Wrong, because I got thrown into something immediately after. The finish of this match, which was fought under Effie's Fiesta rules, <laughs> which I was just in a mood, said it's a Fiesta rules match. I was put through a four-foot unicorn. Uh, is that what? <laughs> yeah, I was slammed after a tornado spent through a four-foot unicorn. Sadly, folks, I'll let you know here. Oh, and two for the weekend so far. Granted, I tried my hardest, and this is uh, this is a match that I think more people will see down the line. Yeah, I got my ass kicked, man, and I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think I could have done much better than that. You know, I'm running on no sleep. I'm running on already getting my ass kicked by a child. Very tough stuff, and the Las Vegas Sun is, you know running down on me. We're in the middle of a mall. We wrestled in a mall, which usually isn't that interesting, except for they were running the local elections there. So in the middle of this mall, there's like everyone for the elections is here and around. And at the front of the mall is me and pantyhose smoking a joint. And those two worlds can coexist. But I'm pretty sure if you thought you were going to vote in my favor and you saw me, you might change your vote. So I don't know if I ruined the local elections there, but I was just trying to have my fight in a mall, middle of the mall shit. I lost. I lost in the mall. I was immediately stuffed in a car and brought back over to the other venue because I had another match in the middle of the day in the Las Vegas sun inside a giant metal building at the Silver Nugget Casino. When I tell you, Peter, that there's so much liquid that had left my body already. Because you're in Las Vegas. I mean, at least here in the South, when it's hot and when we sweat, we can feel it. Right. We know. We're right. like, oh, I'm dripping. I must be losing water. You can't in the desert. You don't know. You're dry the whole time, but you're like com- constantly sweating. You're you're losing water at a rapid pace. You just have no idea. You're just like, oh, it's kind of warm. No. You're completely dehydrated. So I put together a match. Uh, I mean, I think in my head and plan a fight with Dan the dad in this heat. And we're not really thinking about how fucking hot it is and we get out there. And I am so wet as we start this match that I'm almost thinking like we just throw the plans out the window and go in another way. But as we started working, I realized Dan the dad was as sweaty as I was, was as hot as I was. And we said, we're going to keep up and we're going to show these boys how to do it. Now, when there's 14 matches on a card, which there were on multiple shows here, it is hard to keep your motivation of selfishness, which you need to have as a professional wrestler. You need to be motivated to be selfish in the sense that you are here to entertain a crowd with what you're able to do. If you don't do what you're able to do, you will not get over with a crowd, if that makes sense. Yeah. But everybody else who went real long on time, went 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 16 minutes, wasn't as loud as when Effie went nine. 
When that thing can go nine or ten minutes, I keep it hot the whole time. You want more when it's done. You're not going, oh, my God, it was great, but that was the longest match, and we got six more. You're left wanting a little more effy. And so I think I found the perfect mix of filling my time uh, with everything you want to see about Effie while also not wasting your time because you probably want to see the other things too. The audiences are as tired as we are. It's just as hot in there. You know, they've got to pay for drinks. They're in Las Vegas. They're staying up late gambling. You got to give them a little bit of love. And there really is nothing worse than going to a show where it's stacked all the way through like a concert. And then you get to the band that you're really there to see the headliner and you go, Fuck, I would actually go home right now. Right. I've been standing for four hours. It is hard to keep that much enthusiasm in people for that long, but everybody stuck with us. It was incredible. I defeated Dan the Dad. Now, some people may point out that I did, in fact, grab the ropes at the end, and that's not legal. But, you know, Dad had too many rules for Las Vegas, and I had to break a couple of them. You know what I mean? I had so much fun. Wrestling with Dan the Dad is so incredible because he's the goofiest, silliest dad character, but he's also like such a high technician of wrestling that like everything is perfect and his placement is incredible. And like when you get in a ring like that with someone, you forget whether you're good or bad at wrestling because you're just like, everything's going perfect. I must be the best wrestler in the world. But really, like, takes two to tango, baby. And I will tango with Dan the Dad any day of the week, especially if he gives me my first win of the weekend. It's a late night podcast. We're both yawning. We're I've been both yawning. yawning. Quite a, it's not due to lack of interest. I've been up since five this morning, and I and we're still getting it out. People have to understand are. that we are we are here. I always joked. I was like, if we don't have time, we won't put out a podcast. But now I'm like, we can't miss all this interesting information. We can't miss them talking about and people who who were there and who saw this weekend will also enjoy hearing all these little tidbits. Now. We had a little time before the next match. And at this point, Peter, I was cooked, like physically cooked. And I'm looking around and nobody here has a car because none of us are from Las Vegas. God bless Jay Vidal. Jay Vidal lives in Las Vegas, showed up and I go, Jay, he goes, hey, Effie, what's up? Like he's wrestled on my big gay brunches. Like we've wrestled each other in Las Vegas. I said, Jay, do you have a car? He's like, yeah, it's parked right over there. I said, let me lay in the car. So I went and I just laid in the car for an hour with the air conditioning on. No music, just silence, chugging water. Like that was my plan. Did they have to put a little sign up? Do not break glass. Effie is fine. <laughs> Luckily, He's it was like the, to his favorite music. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one place that where like nobody could even see that I was in there. Because if I do this, like even if I if I sit down, Peter and. I've said it before. I love when people check on, you know, each other. It's good. Like, let's check. But also, this is still my profession. I know Effie's party, party. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy each other. Let's check in. But with my profession, there is a moment where I have to close my eyes and make sure I know what I'm doing when I go to the ring. And every time I do that, Peter, it's just, look, I want you to see I'm doing it for Peter right now. Watch. Every time I do that, no less than 10 people ask me if I'm okay or if I'm depressed or if something happened or like, do I need something? And I don't ever need anything. I need silence. I need to call this in my head. So being able to disappear to a car and clear my mind after just sweating so much. And I haven't, I haven't stopped sweating since the night before. I mean, 2 a.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m. And now it's time for the grand finale. And it is my hardest match of the weekend because this cat, Kevin Blackwood, there's different types of wrestlers, Peter, okay? I try to fall amongst all 
the different categories. I want to be someone where you go, you could put Effie in a ring with anyone and it would make sense. Whether it's having the silliest match you've ever seen, whether it's too sexy, whether it's real work rate shit, or whether, you know, we're telling a story. I want to fit in with everyone. And when I see someone like Kevin Blackwood, who has competed at PWG, has competed with people like Davey Richards, is a... Uh, I, you know, a highly in tuned athlete who is able to do a lot of real moves and strikes and skills that I don't always show. I want to go out and I want to give it my best. I want to give it my all. And I think a lot of times people forget when they see these dream matches or see matches come up that without some juxtaposition, wrestling is fucking stupid. All right. So like if you've got two guys who are real good at MMA fighting each other, it's fucking stupid. If you got two giant heavyweight hosses, it's fucking stupid. If you got two little luchadors going head to head and they do the same moves, it's fucking stupid. The whole idea of wrestling is to see I know they can do this and I know they can do this, but how the fuck are they going to do that together? And with me and Kevin Blackwood, the story was right there. He's a very serious wrestler, but he's a hot boy twunk goth, okay? He's one of the hottest boys in the land. Hot tattoos, check. Cool hairstyle, check. Does tattoos now, check. Oh, shit. Has a hot girlfriend named Courtney, check. All these things about him are so cool. And I thought, I guess that means he probably wants to make out with me, right? (laughs) I guess that's what's going on. And luckily, he tweeted something earlier in the day that said, if y'all make me kiss Effie, I'm going to be so pissed. And I said, perfect. You're definitely going to kiss Effie. So I started things off by just offering him the simple handshake. And to me, I'm not making fun of wrestling, but also there's so much absurdity to what we do that it's very, the people who take it the most seriously end up looking the most foolish. So I like to point out the foolishness of like, let's have a handshake, son. And I went to give him the little, I did the handshake and I went to give him the little palm kiss. Not about it. The GCW show that was at this 8 p.m. that me and Kevin Blackwood were on had about double the number of people as any other show. And that's no offense to anyone. I mean, we were the anchor show for this. But GCW did not set up the billboard outside of the Silver Nugget Casino, which did not read GCW Game Changer Wrestling. It didn't read any of our roster members. It was all these hokey TV guys who've been on Impact. And I'll tell you this, Peter, honestly, I've done better ratings than Impact on my Twitch channel. No offense to them. But the the era of a draw being a draw because they were a part of TV is over. And I hope that they saw that. I think there's a few people who are old heads who are kind of putting some of this event together uh, who don't realize that things are changing very rapidly. But when I didn't see my name up on there, I said, I'm going to give these motherfuckers a show. And luckily, when I came out to the giant GCW crowd, it was such a loud reaction that I didn't care that I wasn't on the uh, the billboard anymore. I didn't care about that because I said, well, I guess they need to be on the billboard because nobody really gave a shit when they came in. So that's a little shady. Uh, you just bobbed your head back. I don't need the billboard. The people know I'm here. Same time, uh, someone asked me, hey, are you mad you weren't on this poster? And I said, did you hear when I came out? I don't need to be on the fucking poster. They'll be just as excited when they find out I'm here. It's a dick thing to say, but it's uh, honest in that people are excited to see Effie. People show up to see Effie. People also show up to see Kevin Blackwood, so I had to give him a show. He kicks like a motherfucker. He hits like a motherfucker. But he also got confused by Effie because as he, towards the end of this match, continued to uh, slap the shit out of me and try to play tricks on me of my own, my own tricks played against me, I found a way to make him crack. And eventually, while asking for more of the violence from him, he thought, 
well, maybe I'll trick him if I give him something other than violence. And that sweet little twunk goth boy kissed me right on the lips. And that shit fires me up, Peter. It doesn't wear me down. It doesn't distract me. Gets me focused. Puts me right in the mood. It's like taking an Adderall in the middle of a test. It's like, zoom, I know algebra. And so all the pain, all the suffering, all the dehydration, all the problems, all the other wrestlers calling their matches with too many little crevice spots, it all fell away from me, and I gained the power of a million gods. And as he tried to pick me up from the kiss... I rolled his ass up, and I got the win, Peter. So I ended up one for two, a.k.a. two for four, for the weekend in Las Vegas. Effie does not lose, except when perhaps he does. Billy Sarks beat me. Charles Cassis beat me for a championship. But Dan the Dad, Kevin Blackwood, you both fell prey to exhausted, dehydrated, confused, mecha Effie. I don't even know who I am in these times. It's almost like a secondary version comes out of me, where my physical form is so exhausted and wasted away by the constant struggle of fighting in these environments that will not help in any way. They're not air conditioned. They're not fun to fall on the floor in. I overcame it and I hit my fourth gear and I became a winner and shout out to everybody else who was on the show. It was so fucking hot, but I want to tell you this, and this is a lot of people are going to say, Effie, this is disgusting behavior that you would be proud of yourself for this. Okay. But here's the thing. I am proud of myself for this. I want you to hear this. And we could go read the times of the other matches on this show, but we don't have to. Let's go through it. Effie versus Billy Starks, 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Effie defeats Dan the Dad, 7 minutes and 25 seconds. Effie defeats Kevin Blackwood, 11 minutes and 13 seconds. The Charles Cassis match is not up there. I think it's going to be right at 10 minutes and 30 seconds. I like to keep things subtle and brief and to the point. I don't need to waste your time. I know there are people who are excited to see Effie, people who are not excited to see Effie. I will give you Effie, and I will exit the ring, and I will be done. Our meet and greet line at GCW took over an hour and a half. And I had a helper there. I had Sydney there with Noveria Management, who we'll discuss in a moment, helping me with the merch. So it's me and Allie taking pictures. We still take too long, and she's doing the merch. So I think if it was just me and Allie, it would have taken even longer. What I'm saying is this, and I don't have a solution yet. I'm, I'm going to have to start changing the way we do meet and greets. It is not organized. It is not put together well. I'm going to have to do something either before the show, or we're going to have to do something more segmented for after the show. Uh, be mindful of those around you. I want to spend all the time I can with you. But when the meet and greet line after a show, after I've been up for two days, takes that long, it's not good for me mentally either. I love seeing everyone. But at one point, Brett came up and he goes, you're still in the meet and greet line? The show was over an hour ago. And I was like, yeah, I am. Can I get some assistance here? Can we get someone to help me? I can't be the guy who's like, folks, we need to move it along. It's getting a little long here. Like, I'm not going to be that dick. Some of these people have waited a long time to meet me. But we do have to have something a little more structured in the future because uh, objective bragging there's no line longer than an Effie and Alley line. There's just not. I don't care who you are. I don't care what TV show you've been on. We have a, a bit of momentum right now. And I'm not going to dissuade our fans from meeting us, but I have to find a better way because it is uh, it is wearing me down to a level where by the time everything's done, I end up just kind of like shutting my brain off. Not enough, perhaps, because we got back and chilled and hung out. And luckily, all the boys were here now. The last two nights, I didn't have Mansur and Justice. I didn't have 
uh, AJ Gray there. So we had everybody there now. We were all just chilling, vibing, taking it in. But I didn't have long to sleep because uh, we were doing a meet and greet the next day. Allie, Effie, 11 a.m. Bussy meet and greet. 11 a.m. was the scheduled time, Peter. And God bless Noveria Management. God bless Sydney. God bless Rogue Toys. We did not make it to this meet and greet on time. It was about 10.45 and I go, Allie, we gotta go. We are late as it is. And she said, well, I got to do my makeup so I look good. I said, okay, fine. We get there about 11.35. There were a bunch of people there to meet us. It was incredible. There's nothing weirder to me than being like, who's coming to my meet and greet? As I just told you, our lines were too long the night before. Uh, they came. People came to our meet and greets. They hung out. They got to... Uh, Talk with us about the events. Talk with us about stuff. Take a little longer with us. Maybe more of these events will help some of this out. Uh, but but I also got to pick up a little toy for AJ on the way out. And I got him a silver Japanese edition Trunks mini statuette that I thought looked pretty cool. And I think he liked it. I forgot to give it to him until a few days later. But he was a little stressed out because our car broke down while I was gone. Oh, no. Now, Peter, you know this. And this is no judgment to my lovely partner. There are certain things I handle and certain things he handles. Me, I handle the vehicles. So I was like, here's what you got to do. We got to call the tow place. We got to get into the dealership. We got to do this. We got to do that. But we're on very different time schedules. And so when he's calling me and it's like 1045 Las Vegas time and things are messed up and it's not working, I'm completely out of it, Peter. And he's like, why aren't you up? Like, it's almost 11. And I'm like, baby, time is different here. It's a different world here. Like, I haven't slept and I've kind of slept, but I don't know if I've slept. I'm trying to help. I thought this was under control, but I was trying to deal with that all day to help him while doing the meet and greet. The meet and greet was great, but I was like, let me give him a little present. He's dealing with a lot of crap while I'm out. I just picked the car up, Peter. The car's been gone since... Since that oh, Sunday, damn. I just got it today. So we've been going carless for the past few days, which is fine. You learn, you live and you learn. I had a rental car the first day and I was like, this is dumb. I'm not paying for this anymore. I'm going to walk to the gym, which it's hot out there, Peter. It's hot. I was going to walk what to you tonight. gym are you going to? Well, I don't want to dox myself, but I'm going oh, to the, I'm sorry, uh, I forgot. I'm going to the one near the top of the, the, <laughs> the other day I tweeted out that the, uh, wrestling is gay utility trays are out the new utility trays. And Someone, there was part of an address on it, and they were like, Are you doxing yourself? And I was like, I don't live there anymore because, you know, the septic situation. I don't live there anymore. Y'all can go dox that place. I don't give a shit. That's fun. Somebody else is living there now, I hope, or I don't hope. I don't know. It's a crap place. But we didn't have a car for a while. We did the meet and greet, and then the lovely Sydney took us out to Cracker Barrel which I did not expect to be at in Las Vegas, Nevada. I did not expect to show up to a Cracker Barrel. But I will say this, that hash brown casserole served as an entree with the fungins and tomato on top. Fantastic. Magical. It's I always get the hash brown casserole, and usually I get the grandpa sampler because it comes with hash brown casserole and apples and grits, but I never eat the grits. I just want the apples and the hash brown. So I just got the hash brown as an entree. Are you also not a grits apples. fan? I am a grits fan, but not from there. Like You got to dress them up too much to make them real plain. And also there's so many other things to eat like country ham and hash brown casserole and eggs and bacon and biscuits and gravy that I don't, it's not a priority item on the menu for me. You know, if I'm eating shrimp and grits, it's shrimp and grits. But if I'm eating a grandpa's platter, it's like the ninth item on the list. So I don't need all of it. You know, what's your favorite breakfast food? I really like pancakes. I love pancakes. I love a good flavored pancake. Yeah. I, had, I had lemon ricotta pancakes the other day. Fantastic. 
Blueberry white chocolate pancakes, really fantastic. Uh, there's a place in Nashville that has goat cheese and jalapeno pancakes that are ridiculous. Goat cheese, jalapeno mm-hmm. pancakes, so it's like a sweet and savory kind of... Mm-hmm. I love it. I love little pancakes. I call them crepes. <laughs> they fill them up with fruit. <laughs> I also, like, hands down make the best eggs. Like, I will go toe-to-toe with anybody. You want to have an egg off? Oh, I will 100%. I will destroy you in an egg off. Will you? I will. Really? You've never you've never had my eggs. <laughs> I'm ready for your eggs. I want your eggs because I'm sitting here thinking about the French technique Gordon Ramsay taught me on YouTube. Fuck you. That's my technique. Come on. Let's taste our <laughs> techniques. Come on, dude. Toe-to-toe on techniques. Let's go. Uh, speaking of random Atlanta shit, Will wants to do a fun summer adventure similar to the one that you and AJ did last okay. year. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to do that before he leaves. I keep forgetting to bring it up. Well, let's definitely yeah, do we have The like weather's perfect. Months. Yeah. I will say during the last adventure that I had with Will of that nature... And I don't even know if I should be discussing this. It's still like, I'm not a paranoid person, Will, Will, Peter, but I'm paranoid about this. We're walking around the park and there was a flyer and it was like a children's font flyer. And I was like, I'm going to go read it. And Will was like, maybe don't. And we picked it up and it was like cursed language that was like, you've picked this up and now the curse will follow you forever. And Will was like, we're going to put that down and walk away. He actually got cursed by that and refuses to pick stuff off the ground now. It's like a running thing to where he'll go to go pick something up. And he's like, no Lucy way. knows. Lucy, Lucy knows. knows. I shouldn't discuss the curse. Okay. Uh, what about the duck guy? Was that a... Oh, this is incredible because this is AJ saying like, this was horrible. This is a horrible thing. We walked down by the duck pond, which is just beautiful and dirty. But like, there's something about those types of adventures where I don't mind noticing like the the juxtaposition between how Atlanta is like so beautiful and so dirty at the same time. Like, I love that. And I, I hate that I'm that person. You will see simultaneously the most beautiful human being you've ever seen. And the craziest human being you've ever seen right next to right. Just in the middle of all of it. Uh, we were propositioned by the man who was feeding the ducks. And he said, do you know how much this bread costs to feed the ducks? You know, and was trying to offer himself as a solution to, sexual frustration down at the duck pond. But AJ didn't realize that's what was going on. And he was like, it just feels weird down here. I was like, yeah, cause we're getting proposition. We don't need to be here right now. He's like, that's what was happening. I was like, listen, young gay man who likes to pretend this isn't happening. It's always happening. We just notice it more right now. Yeah, it was a real thing, and it was a weird day. I will say, I ended that last show. We walked around the park. We were having a great time. I went home and watched the Werner Herzog movie about volcanoes and how they're the source of all human storytelling. And boy, let me tell you, a perfect matchup. I will tell you all the histories of how we have become men through the power of the fire in the volcanoes and the gods that have bequeathed them. I love it. Your Ber- Herzog's really good. I love talking like Werner Herzog because he always has something very intense to say, but will never raise his voice to get the point across. And I will always ask a question I don't know the answer to because life is full of these mysteries. Is it true he's on like Star Wars shit now? Yeah, he did the uh, the Mandalorian show. That's and he showed up and apparently... I want to get this story right, because this is like my... You've heard the Werner Herzog saves somebody from a car crash story? No. Oh, this is... Hold up, because this fucked me up. Herzog, car crash. This is real. Uh, oh, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix wrecked and rolled his car. 
was stuck in the car and was apparently trying to light a cigarette when Werner Herzog walked up to the window and was like, if you light that cigarette, the whole car is going to explode. Let me get you out of here. And took him out of the car. What? I don't know what to tell you, man. That's uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Shout out. Can't wait for the new... Is it Eggers or Aster? Is it Ari, Ari Aster's oh, doing? Oh, Ari Aster. Ari yeah. Aster's doing the new movie, and they have said that the new uh, Ari Aster, Joaquin Phoenix film, Disappointment Boulevard, is three and a half hours long, Holy which shit. many people said, that's crazy. And I said, I wish it was four and a half. Yeah, seriously. I'm so ready. Let's go. We're going to the theater, brother. Yeah, Werner Herzog's one of my favorite, and he's always been there as a voice of solace in these uh, trippy times that we run into. And to just hear him examine humanity at its core of being... Uh, volcanically focused and it's magic and it's because the myth telling of that movie goes all the way from these really intense myths all the way back to like you know the the army man is our god myth and they still believe it on that mystical island today you're familiar with this i'm sure as a religious discoverer where somebody somebody parachuted in like a white army guy parachuted in in world war ii and claimed to be god and had supplies and they still believe he is God to this day because oh, that's wild. no other white people had ever been to the island. And Werner Herzog visits them and they're like, yeah, we're waiting for him to return. Like John's coming back. It's wild. That's, I mean, that's like a really intense version of uh, cargo cults, which are amazing. If you want to go down a wormhole, I Google think it's I think it's cults. one of the first cargo cults, but it's but it featured a man. You know, there was an actual uh, human the, being there. There was a movie that was made where I grew up called The Gods Must Be Crazy. Yep. And it was about a guy drinking a Coke in a helicopter, and he drops the bottle out of the helicopter, and it hits a tribal gentleman, you know, out in the bush. And then it's about his quest to um, tell everyone about the gods and how crazy they are. The gods are crazy. They're just throwing Coca-Cola bottles at us. This is not a very good movie, but they made two of them. All movies are great, okay? It's they true. all I promise it's you, true. all movies are great. I've watched the worst of the worst in movies. I've only in my life ever walked out of one movie. Should I tell you this story yes. right now? I was in high school. I was in the orchestra. I played viola for a long time. and God, you've... There's so much like when you were me moving, and Alley Cat both played viola, and we figured that's out that's crazy. why we're so connected. You're also like a really good guitar player, too, right? Really good guitar player, if I want. And I also read all types of music, all clefs. People don't realize this, but I think that reading music is probably why my brain is as fun as it is because it's it's a different way of language thinking about things when you can read music. In my opinion, it's just my opinion. Interesting, but I do love musicality. So at the time, one of the girls in our class that was playing. Uh, in the orchestra with us. Her dad was also my elementary school gym teacher. And so we would go hang out at his house and she was chill, whatever, we're cool. But we started to hook up and people are surprised by this. And I had this conversation at dinner the other night. I've hooked up with all types of people. I don't, happy pride, I don't fall into any category. I'm in a monogamous relationship with a man. That's great for us. I'm not going to cheat on him, but I have fallen in love with everything. And at this point, it was my elementary school gym teacher's daughter, and we were going to go on a date to the movies, and we're watching Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, the first sequel before they rebooted, which opens with a wedding. And about 28 minutes into this movie, I said, do you really want to watch this movie? And she said, no. And we left and made out in the car for two hours. And then I took her back to elementary school gym teacher's house. Wow. Yep. That's the only movie in my whole life I've ever walked out of. I was yelled at at a movie. What's the Al Pacino movie where he makes a fake woman real? He's like, I'm going to make a real woman. You don't know? No. <laughs> I'm looking at this up. I don't care, Peter. Uh, Al Pacino fake woman. That's what I'm going to Google. 
Have you ever seen Babe, like the pig movie? Oh, yeah. Have you seen Babe, Pig in the City? I have seen Babe, Pig in the City. Did you know that uh, the guy who made all the Max, Mad Max movies directed <laughs> that film? It kind of makes sense, though, because you're like, when everything's so perfect in a film like Babe, Pig in the City, like the city's cute, like everybody's there, there's pigs and animals, like we're all having fun. And there's obviously some tension in that film, but it almost seems like you'd be like, what do you want to do for your next movie? And he's like, I'm going to destroy humanity and milk away all the goodness. He No, that's actually, uh, he helped produce the first one mm -hmm. for a first-time director, which is amazing, won all kinds of Oscars and everything, and he got pissed about it and was He like, was like, I literally held this guy's hand through yeah, the whole exactly. thing. Exactly, that's literally what he said. And uh, so he made Babe Pig in the City 2 basically be like, now it's my turn. It's an incredible film. I stand by Babe Pig in the City. It's not a children's movie. No movies are really for children. I say this after watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers this weekend, and I finished it, and I was like, have you seen this yet? No. It's incredible. It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my whole life. And one, it can't exist. This film fully cannot exist previous to like today. Like It just can't happen. And second, it's definitely not for kids. Like There's... The whole plot story, I imagine kids would be like, oh, there's cartoons here, but it's like, it's a very adult film about two friends who were miscommunicating about their success, reconnecting. And it's John Mulaney, right? It's John Mulaney, and uh, who's the guy who. Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg. Yeah, I've seen that. I can't do John Mulaney, not for the reasons that everyone thinks, because yeah. I know he's gotten in some trouble lately. I, I was once on a mushroom trip that I thought was over. It was not over. In fact, Oof. it was smack dab in the middle of it. And uh, decided it was a good idea to put on a John Mulaney stand-up. And both myself and uh, the other human that I was with sat there for 10 minutes not laughing. Yeah, stand-up's not good when you're uh, on a trippy trip. And he, he, I see him. I hear my heart is beating a little fast right now even talking about him. This is There's real haunting. visceral reaction to John Mulaney. And well, you don't have to look at him, luckily. He's a chipmunk. <laughs> He's uh, The other one's Andy Samberg. The chipmunks. Now, I don't know if the chipmunk he played is as transphobic as John Mulaney allowing Dave Chappelle to come to his show knowing what the reaction would be. But I can't say that the chipmunk wasn't, you know? But I enjoyed the film. I really, I thought it was a fun film. Great film. The film I was talking about with Al Pacino that I got yelled at in was a movie called Simone, starring Al Pacino, Katherine Keener, and Winona Ryder. It was not a good movie. And I remember seeing this film in the theaters and saying something of the such during the, during the movie. And an old man came up and told me I needed to shut my mouth that a lot of people loved this movie. <laughs> and uh, I've kept my mouth shut in movies since. Another fun movie story, if you want to question why I have stopped drinking alcohol... I once, during a wintertime festivity, snuck a whole bag of Franzia under my peacoat into Sea Black Swan, starring Natalie Portman. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites, but I partially think it's because I was smack dab in the middle of a bag of wine as the movie progressed. Because I don't know if you've ever had bagged wine. It makes everything better. I don't drink it's anymore, Peter. It's easier to drink. <laughs> it's easier to drink. You just hold the bag up. But I had the whole bag under the peacoat like I was some kind of... Like they didn't know what was going on. Like it's a, it's twelve degrees outside. I'm like, I don't need to wear the coat. It's fine. <laughs> it's full of wine. It was uh, it was a good time. Las Vegas was a good time. I stayed Sunday. After we ate Cracker Barrel, I went back and uh, I'm trying to remember what we did because we were gonna go see the Lady Gaga exhibit, and we ended up not seeing the Lady Gaga exhibit. There's I think a Lady we just, Gaga exhibit. Yeah, so she performed at the I believe MGM Grand maybe or had a residency there, and so all of her like 
live costumes and everything are in the MGM Grand for free. And I saw pictures of it. Allie Couch got to go see it, you know, the next day or the day after when she was leaving. Because she's like a not. big Gaga head, right? Huge Gaga head. And me and AJ got her a ticket for the Gaga show in Atlanta. So at the Brave Stadium, which is insane. My music hipster, the music hipster in me was very proud to announce that I was into Lady Gaga way before everybody else. Oh, well, let me be even more hipster because I was guest listed for a 2010 Lady Gaga concert at Center Stage because I worked for uh, college radio and I convinced the opening act that we were really, really into them. They put us on the list. Damn, when I we wrestled, are going to have to have this egg off. I, I'm loving this. I love this. More tension. It's like Kenny versus Spinny with psychedelics. It's going to be a good time. We're going to play with the eggs. Uh, I watched part of the pay-per-view, the AEW pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. But I have to say this. A lot of my wrestling friends like going to the pay-per-views after long wrestling weekends. I get it. It's awesome. I, I can't do it anymore. Not just because I'm exhausted. And not... This is going to... I'm going to sound like a dick, Peter. I I think it's distracting to the performers that are there when I show up to a show and I'm just taking selfies with people the whole time and they're noticing me. And half a year ago, it may not even have been that much. But now if I just show up in the middle of the arena and try to walk to my seat and like all of us deal with it to some aspect, I get it a good bit. It's I think it's distracting. And also at that point in the weekend, when I've swept my whole life out, when I'm trying to get back to it, I'm feeling a little tired. Yeah, I want to watch the wrestling, but I just can't like be a person anymore. I can't, I can be a visionary, like a, I'm eyes. I can be eyes and I can take it in, but I can't be a physical person anymore. It's like WrestleMania. I pulled up in Mander's truck and let everybody out and said, catch you guys after the show. Uh, I'm happy to help everybody get there. I can't go to pay-per-views after I've been wrestling all weekend. This I goes mean, it for, makes sense. it's fine. And also like the last time I went to an AEW pay-per-view for shoot, I was with Manser. We got high on edibles. I don't know if I can say that. I got high on edibles and wandered backstage just to say hey to people. And then it was like in the dirt sheets the next day, like Effie and Manser backstage at AEW. And I was like, I was just high. I wanted to say hey to my friends. Like, I don't work here. It's chill. Like, I just know some people. I'm not trying to take your jobs. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to create the speculation. I speak from my heart. Nobody has contacted me. I'm not wrestling for any TV companies. We're having a good time. I'm a Netflix superstar now. It's all the way to the top. I don't know what else to say about it. I took a I took a red eye home. And there, how do you people coming home from Las Vegas are just fucking annoying. They're just the wor- they're the worst. Everyone's hammered. Everyone's still gambling. Everybody's yelling a lot. Everybody's talking all. I don't know if you've ever listened to a gambling story. I think gambling stories are the worst stories possible because every gambling story goes like this, Peter. Got to believe it. I went down and put 500 down. Started to get up a little bit. I said, man, I should take this change. Fuck it. I'm going to go a little crazy. I'm going to go a little crazy. I start putting it down. And I'm saying, I'm losing. I'm losing. I'm losing. I said, this is all I got. I got one more. Put it in. Back up. Back up a little. Get too excited. I broke even. I walked away. There's no, all the tension it's points. It's not a story. Have been picked. You just told me you lost money yeah. or gained money. And it's every, you know, like in a movie, you're like, and then it turns out he was the spy. Like there's a mystery there. There's only one of two things that could happen. You won money or you lost money. You can drag it out to be six hours long or a minute long. One of those things happened. I wish every gambling story was, I lost this. And then we never spoke of it again. I did lose a little money in the gambling, but I, I figured my technique out, which is when I gamble in front of people, 
I can't gamble to my heart's desire. But when I gamble when I'm not around people, I'm a little scared of myself because I'm real intense about it. So I'm just going to keep gambling in front of people and losing a little bit and walking away versus like, yeah, it's 4 a.m. I think I'm going to go sit at the digital craps and uh, roll my own dice. I don't want you fuckers rolling for me. It's intense. Uh, I pretty much broke even on gambling, though. I don't like to gamble a lot in towns where our fans are staying because if they're getting in line and they're spending money with me and then they're going like, well, I could have just put it in the slot machine, too. I don't want them to feel that way. And that's me overthinking, but it's... I have to overthink. It's what I do, Peter. I overthink. I got a big weekend ahead. I'm fighting uh, back in time. I'm going back in time again in Cleveland. Oh, F.E. Davidson? F.E. Davidson is back. I don't the, know why that delights me so much. The sexual biker daddy, leather biker daddy. I'm basically a Tom of Finland character, which I, I'm basically a Tom of Finland character all the time, but now it's a little more historically accurate. But I like that I get to wear that historically my character that I'm Assassin's Creed inviting that is from my history gets to wear these leather gloves because when you hit people with the leather gloves, it makes such a good sound. Like you can't fuck it up. It's going to be so loud. These pleathers just slap and it's very good. So I'm excited to wear the pleather gloves again. Saturday, Puff pulled out of the event due to health concerns of COVID. And I honor and appreciate him for not lying to me and giving me COVID. Anybody could have done it. A match with Effie could make or break your whole life. I'm smiling while I say that. Don't come with COVID. That's never worth it. I'm going to be fighting Mike Bailey, who I have fought before. Not Mike Bailey. Mike Bennett. I got Mike Bailey on the brain. Um, he doesn't know it yet and he doesn't listen to my podcast, but eventually I'm going to break Mike Bailey and everybody who's a wrestler who's hearing this, they'll know because Mike Bailey will come up and he'll give you really good advice, like really good wrestling advice. And then I will immediately give him a reason why it's not good advice. And I'm not right. I'm never right, but I can't be argued with, you know, like if I was working for a company and a producer came up to me and said, Hey, I'd like for you guys to do this, or it would make more sense for you to do this. I'd be like, okay, sir, that's great. But that's why I don't work for a company because I don't do this for anyone but me. If I come up with a really stupid idea, Peter, and it fucks up and it's not as good as I thought, it's just on me. And I go, yeah. But if somebody else tells me something and I go, that's really fucking stupid. It's not going to work. And they go, but you have to do it. You work here. I would just leave. I would just quit. Which is why I would be right back where I am. But Mike Bailey is helping everyone. He's coming around. He's teaching people stuff. I will continually, I'll just never agree with him. I'll say, oh, you're probably right. But then I'll go, but we're going to do this instead. He'll go, why? And I'll go, because I think it looks cool. We'll see how long it takes. He's very calm and patient about it now. But I want to see if there's a point where he's like, Effie, are you just fucking with me? And I go, yeah, I am. How'd you know? But I don't know if he's going to catch on. But I'm fighting Mike Bennett, not Mike Bailey, this Saturday at Black Label Pro. Former... Ring of Honor star and former victorious over Effie because I'm going to be victorious over Mike Bennett and then I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly to Philly. I'm going to drive to Atlantic City and I'm fighting at 1 p.m. on Sunday against, once again, that bully-ass brat Billy Sarks and her little friend, bratty-ass Marcus Mathers. And let me tell you something. All these teens, I think he's 19, I think she's 17, they're all so athletic right? Oh, they can do so many tricks, but they're fucking brats. Okay. I'm a grown man. I'm a brat sometimes too, but I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not taking it. I'm not listening to it. I'm showing up for a daytime show to beat somebody's ass. Now, as far as cage up survival on Sunday, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm involved. Uh, there's a lot of blood going on. There's been a lot of card changes. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you this. I will be in the room. I will be there. I will have pictures of myself that I will write on for you. And I would like to, uh, do that. How are you feeling, Peter? 
I'm feeling good. We're almost out of Mercury retrograde, which is nice. It is nice, but I don't know how deeply I've been affected other than just like things happen to me in this time, but none of it really sticks. No, I don't know. I mean, that's if you understand Mercury retrograde, you understand that nothing sticks. Yeah. Well, good. Thank God. Uh, we've got a little bit of a cool down period for the next couple of weeks. Things are going to be moving a little bit slower <laughs> than probably everyone wants. It's fine with me. And then we've got some nice, like really like sexy relaxation time okay like two weeks after that it's okay. kind of like a nice change for this year i'm excited to see how it works Ju- june is a crazy crazy month i had someone hit me up a week ago and we're like do you have this june date available and i'm like i'm king gay and it's pride month i have nothing available and you know god bless my partner god bless benny aj harris for fucking handling this time because i am gone a lot this has been two weekends in a row that i've been gone for four nights and it's not easy, but I think he also understands that if I don't leave, the people don't get what they need, and then we don't pay our bills. Well, he'll pay our bills. He makes enough to pay all the bills, but I like to split things 50-50, Peter. I'm a, I'm a sharing partner. I think he's, he's going to be happy if I can pay the rent versus uh, me needing to borrow money. So I'm going to go wrestle for Pride Month a lot, and uh, I hope everybody comes out to see me. I've got the dates up on the Twitter. I'll be streaming too, but next Tuesday's my birthday. I'm 32. Peter, I have a feeling that this is going to be a year worth remembering. I think there's going to be a lot on the plate and a lot on the table. So don't let me lose sight of myself in this mystery, okay? 